community groups. Now, here's the thing. Um, being a Christian is actually a pretty simple process. Uh, really, it comes down to the relationship we have with the Lord and the relationship we have with our Christian community. Uh, those really are sort of the two staples of what life in Christ entails. And that's how God speaks to us. That's how we care for one another. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't been part of a community group in the past, uh, make sure and sign up for one next week. If you have and it was terrible, sign up for a different one. I'm just kidding. Uh, that was a joke, by the way. Some of you didn't seem sure. I didn't frame it very well. Apparently not a good one. Uh, but that's going to start next week. I voted that we started calling it something more clever than community group signups. I voted for, uh, what did I call it, GroupCon? Was that, was that what I said? But it sounded a little too Star Trek-y, and so, uh, so we didn't necessarily go with it. But those things are coming up. Without further ado, let's get on to something that actually is important. My friend, Pastor Rick, who has not been feeling well, so I feel like he needs a hand just to oh, spark some energy man. there. You're sweet. I was going to say that the hoarseness of my voice was due to the hog calling competition I was in yesterday. Um, but if you weren't here for the beginning of service, you have no idea why that's even funny. So, so next time, be on time, okay? Um, welcome to church. Who's excited to be here today? I'm excited. I am not feeling great, but that's okay because God is better um, than even my sickness. And so I'm excited to, to share what... Um, what he has to say to us today, hopefully, and do it without uh, too much coughing and hacking. So um, last, last week, we, we started a series uh, aimed at looking at how we can care for our souls, right? So The Divine Mentor is a series uh, exploring soul care. And as we, we talked about, uh, there are, uh, especially coming out of the season we were just in, there are many things that we put our energy into, um, but usually one of the things that we neglect most is our own soul, right? Like the holidays are super fun, but we usually all get to the end and we're like, glad that's over. And tell me about it. Like as a person who has a birthday on January 3rd, no one wants to celebrate. They're like, no, <laughs> we're done celebrating for at least a month, right? Like that's, that's just what happens because we're like, okay. And we sort of neglect this thing that is actually of critical importance. Uh, and the problem with uh, soul care, as we started to discover last week, is there's not always and oftentimes even at all tangible benefits to it, right? Like we don't always see the soul care manifesting itself in a way that is critically important, at least in our minds, to our everyday life. But, but last week we started to break that down and say, no, that's, that's actually not the case. In fact, it's usually not until we crash and burn that we're like, oh, I should have done a better job of taking care of my soul, but the damage, of course, is done, right? Matt, like people try to call you to insure their car after a wreck. That's not how it works. That's not how it works, and so we, uh, we tend to do that. And so taking care of our soul uh, should be, <coughs> excuse me, a, a good portion of what uh, we consider through, through our daily engagement with, uh, we talked about daily engagement with the Bible, and last week we spent time talking about how God wants to, to change your mind, how he wants to influence the way that you think. Uh, the Romans passage, the passage that we talked about last week talked about how uh, he, wants to, he wants to renew you by changing the way that you think. God wants to renew you by changing 
the way that you think. And we read a couple scriptures that I want to just revisit. They're actually going to be on your notes. Holler to have in notes today, something we haven't done in a long time. If you want to follow along, if you're a note taker, great. If you're not, it's totally fine. No big deal. We just had a lot of things that we're going to cover in sort of a quick manner. And so I thought it would be good if we had something to reference, maybe jot down an idea or two. Um, but the first scripture was this. Uh, it's Matthew 4, 4, and it's Jesus talking about the idea that um, when, we, when we live uh, each and every day, we eat, but, but he's talking about a spiritual sustenance um, that we should not neglect. And it says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. A- and one of the most critical components of the words spoken by the mouth of God are the scriptures or the Bible, which of course is, is mentioned in the next scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And these are just a couple of the places where God really starts to point out the idea like, hey, this is important. The way that you engage scripture is important. And so then we, we talked about um, thinking a little differently about how we engage scripture. And the first one is this, and this one's actually in your notes, um, that we might think about it in a way that scripture was actually given to us for our benefit. Scripture was actually given to us for our benefit. I joked that uh, that the person who is in the Bible each and every day um, has the executive Costco membership to God's club. And those of us who don't, you know, are actually just the regular members. And of course, we, we looked at the idea that, you know, that's not really what it's about. God's not looking to determine your loyalty to him by your engagement with scripture. He's actually given it to us for our benefit. And if we think about it that way, it actually is like, oh, I, I need to dive in. I need to, to look into this. I need to, to let the mentorship that God has set up, which of course is the second thing that we talked about and how scripture is full of real stories about real people. It's full of scripture and stories, real stories about real people. And those people are put into real situations that, that look a lot like our situations often. And God uses them to mentor us in our situations. And so if we think about that, if we think about scripture that way, it sort of changes how we view it and the value of it and and why we would engage it in the first place. It's actually much more relational than it is instructional. It's much more relational than we give it credit for so often. And, And so we set up this idea that God wants to give us the best information possible so that we can make the best decisions possible. That's sort of where we landed last week, that, that he wants to influence your mind in a way that allows you to make the best decision possible regardless of the situation, regardless of the situation. And so this week, we're actually going to shift from looking at how God influences our mind to looking how uh, God wants to influence the, the very foundation of our soul, our heart. And how he wants us to look at guarding what we would consider sort of the root system of our soul. In March of 2017, a story was published in the Curry Coastal Pilot, (coughs) which 
is, of course, as you probably all know, a publication in Brookingside, Oregon, <laughs> town of about 4,000 people. And it was, and it was published um, about this topic. They were, they were shedding light on uh, the damage that was being done to the redwood trees in the, get this, Jedediah Smith Redwoods State Park. What a name, huh? Jedediah Smith, you know he had a bigger beard than we've ever seen. <laughs> and this particular group of trees that they were observing were called the Grove of Titans. And they were in severe danger of losing these trees. Now, I, I threw up some pictures um, for you to just kind of see what they look like. Um, if you've never been, which I haven't, if you've never been to see a redwood tree or a sequoia tree, um, you just can't really grasp the enormity of it. Uh, experts say that these trees can live up to 2,000 years. And these particular trees in the Grove of Titans were 320 feet tall. Now, as a basketball player, my metric is that's 32 basketball hoops high. That's a long ways up in the air, right? They're 32 or 320 feet tall and 26 feet in diameter at the base which of course is why they can drive cars through them and why kids um, look like they are um, not, even, not even real, right? Like, honey, I shrunk the kids or something like that. But they were trying to figure out why these trees were in danger. Because you would imagine like a tree that's grown to this size, uh, it has the name Grove of Titans for a reason, right? It's huge, it should be powerful. And, and, they, and they made a shocking discovery. It wasn't... It wasn't storms or the general age of the tree or geographical shift or even the animals or diseases that often affect trees. You know what it was? It was foot traffic. It was the foot traffic of the people walking around the trees damaging the root system. The foot traffic was slowly but effectively damaging it to the point where they thought, if we don't eliminate it completely now, we are going to lose these trees for good. And so what they did is they, they shut it down. They said, you know what? We're not going to let anybody go around. Now, of course, what a beautiful analogy for how our lives work, right? We, we oftentimes um, are, well, I think so. I think you guys are an impressive looking group. Right? Like, just like those trees, very impressive on the surface. But the foot traffic of life slowly and methodically beats us into submission. It damages our root system to the point where we are no longer capable of being healthy and we're in danger of falling down. And when a tree that size falls down, it creates a big, big event. Right? King Solomon is considered one of the wisest people to have ever lived. And he is also responsible for penning, writing most of the Proverbs in the book of Proverbs in Scripture. And he says this. This is in your notes as well. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life do you think that way 
I don't know if I think that way. Oftentimes I think my bank account determines the course of my life or the, even the relationships that I'm in, like those, those people can influence the course of my life. But Solomon, who had all the money and all the wisdom anyone could ever possibly imagine, said, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. He understood that protecting the root system was critical and that it wasn't something to be left to chance. Let's be honest, sometimes in our lives, there are extremely difficult, big, tragic events. Those are, those are gonna come, right? Those are gonna happen and it's gonna be hard regardless of how strong your root system is. And the biggest storm is gonna wipe out even the strongest tree sometimes. But all of us, regardless of whether or not we're in the middle of a giant storm, are suffering from a level of foot traffic, right? The never-ending text messages and emails and phone calls, right? I, Pastor Kelly's so funny. I love it. His phone went off the other day. We were working. He just said, nope. It just like went ding. He's like, nope. And I was like, hey, I get it, man. You probably talked to 100 people already today. Or the difficult situations at work that are pulling our attention or just the sheer amount of hours that we have to dedicate to doing the things that we need to do. Those are wearing us down. Children, spouses, siblings, parents, they're all demanding our attention. It's foot traffic wearing us down. Financial, emotional, relational health is being damaged and it's weighing us down because we're not protecting our root system. The mountain of tasks in our life will eventually, if you're not careful, if you're not going to build an enclosure, as Pastor Wayne says in the book, a sacred enclosure around your roots, they're going to get damaged. <clears throat> life will do that. I saw a friend sent me a news story this week um, of this very situation, and, uh, and I wanted to share it with you, and so I wanted to go ahead and throw it up. Um, pastor goes missing. <laughs> and turns up at a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> if we're not careful, I I'm, first of all, I'm confident that if Pastor Kelly goes off the deep end, that's where you're going to find him. Find the nearest Chick-fil-A. He will be there eating unending amount of sandwiches. Matt, thanks for sharing that with me, by the way. I laughed hard. But, but the joke, of course, being that if we're not careful, the repercussions look, look pretty crazy sometimes. Or they look really silly, but they're really affecting our lives. I want to look at a story out of Luke 10 today. And so if you have your Bibles or your devices, you can turn there. We'll be in Luke 10, 38 through 42. I just want to set it up really quick. Jesus is traveling around. He's doing all kinds of ministry. And, and, uh, and he ends up coming um, to, to, this, to Jerusalem. And he's going to, um, I'm sorry, on their way to Jerusalem, he lands in this town. And he's going to stay at at, uh, or visit the house of Mary and Martha. And you've probably heard this story. I've heard it taught on at least a half dozen times. Um, but, but let me read it to you and then we'll talk about the significance. In, in verse 38 it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? 
Yeah, some of us can relate to that, right? <laughs> tell her to come and help me. Like, certainly, if Jesus, if, if somebody's going to tell somebody to do something, it's going to be Jesus, right? And she's like, yeah, tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I've heard this passage taught, like I said, half dozen to a dozen times, and it's always around this same idea. The people doing stuff versus the people sitting at Jesus' feet. And I just want to say this. I think that they're both right. And let me just say why. First of all, when you show up here, what if we were just all winging it? Like sometimes it might feel like Pastor Kelly and I are winging it, but the rest of the people have been preparing all week for, for this event and many other things that we do. What if, what if no one was doing anything? There would be Cheerios all over the floor. <laughs> they would be. I mean, just the, the number of things. Like Martha isn't wrong. Jesus is just simply saying, what's the more important thing here, Martha? I'm sure he was grateful for a meal and the hospitality. I can't imagine that he wasn't. But Jesus says, let's not let that get in the way of the more important thing, our time with Jesus. Jesus says that Mary's decision to cultivate a relationship with Jesus above all else would never be taken from her, not now and not in eternity. That's an interesting concept. Right, because all the things we're doing here, they're gonna go, they're gonna go away someday, maybe sooner than later, right? But 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 what Mary gets is that the time that she spends with Jesus cannot be taken away from her. In just a minute, I'm gonna invite somebody up to come chat with us. Another person who I've seen model that in in her life. Um, but I just want to say this: this is not this story and 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 the re- the the recounting of this story is not something where we're like, don't do stuff, just sit at the foot of Jesus. It's, it's more of an encouragement to say, you know what, when you're being bombarded by the foot traffic, don't hesitate to just set it aside for a little bit. Get the more important thing in your life. You will be energized and strengthened to do the things that are necessary, that are important. So I, I mentioned that I'm going to have someone come up. My mom, actually, was somebody who, in my life, um, was constantly in Scripture. Angie, thank you for bringing these up. Um, she was constantly modeling this, um, reading Scripture, uh, talking to us about it. And so I thought, you know, why don't we talk to somebody who has, has had this experience throughout her life? I mean, Mom, I love you. You're getting old. And so you have a lot of wisdom. <laughs> And she really is smart. I know, really clever. Go ahead and come on up. I'll get that microphone for me there, brother. But, but I thought, you know, this, uh, she can really actually speak into this situation probably better than I can even because of her experience doing it. And so I've asked her to come up and just share with us for a couple minutes here. I'm going to ask her some questions. But why, why has this been a priority? Because I've observed this in your life um, as a kid who was constantly, you know, making it hard you to, to do so and uh and so i i just want to start and i want you just to take a second and just describe the rhythm and habits of your engagement with scripture but but your general quiet time with jesus 
Well, first of all, I had him, I typed these out, but then when I got here today, he said, ah, oh, you don't have to go off that to speak from your heart, so I'm going to. Do you it. may be yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, I started, um, what I like to do is I like to get up in the morning early when my mind's fresh and rested, and I make um, a half a pot of coffee, and I sit down with my Bible, and I sit down with my journal, and then I always have a couple of books um, there could be something like uh, the 365-day chronological Bible where you start from the beginning and read. You know, it's got passages all set up for you. Or a little devotional book or something. There's always just something that I've got. So I've got a couple books, my coffee, my Bible, my journal, and that's how I start my morning. I, I um, really expect every day to hear something from the Lord. Mm, that's great. Um, how has that... How has your, the time you spend engaging scripture and, and being at the feet of Jesus, much like um, Mary would have described it um, or practiced, how, how has that shaped your life from early in life to, to a, the stage you're at now where you're a grandma, you know? Well, I'm going to throw this to the wind again because um, this morning when I came in and Pastor Kelly was talking about... Um, how does God speak to us? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to completely go off of this because when I was a young believer, I, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 20. I had just gotten married. I was pregnant with Pastor Rick, and life seemed to be crashing down around me, and I thought, you know what? I, I do that to people. <laughs> <laughs> this is the effect that I have. My mom had modeled Christ to me in such a big way, and so... Um, you know, I, I was really hungry for the Lord when I said, be, be my savior. Um, I, I got into the word. I poured over it. Um, my pastor's wife at that time was Norma Lelisher, and she had a Dakes version of the, in, of the um, King James version. And for anybody that, <laughs> we don't even get the King James version out anymore, but I read the these and thous, and, and I'm telling you, I was so hungry, and I really felt like God was started to speak to me in ways that most people didn't hear. And I remember talking to her about it and, um, and a couple of the elder um, gals that are now, who I am now, um, my age, and they gave me this wisdom and said, get a journal and start writing things down. Um, so I had started to do that and, um, and I really felt like the Lord was leading me in a direction with some giftings that were scary to me. I wasn't sure what I thought about some of these things that were coming into my mind, my mom um, was Baptist and I went to a Baptist church and so the move of the spirit was very new to me. And um, I was in Mountain Movers prayer meeting one morning and one of our pastor's wives was very sick and in the hospital and nobody knew what was going on. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me what she had. And I was nervous, I couldn't sit through Bible study. I was, I was thinking in my mind, what? just happened. I have the answer. Do I know I don't? Yes, I do. And at the end, I, I waited until everybody had filed out and I went up to Norma and I said, the Lord told me this is what she has. And she patted my head and she said, oh honey, thank you so much. I'll be sure and, and tell Monty. And um, so that night the phone rang and that's when you still had landlines and my husband answered the phone and he said, it's one of the pastors at the church. And I said, hello. And he said, I just wanted to let you know that um, mom told me what you said and 
we spoke with the doctors and they confirmed that that's exactly what she had and she was very sick and because of that knowledge she actually was out of the hospital in about three days mm -hmm. and at that point i realized beyond a shadow of a doubt that god was speaking to me mm -hmm. he was speaking to me in ways that were like i said supernatural and unreal but i'm telling you that's who he is he is supernatural and it's not um I'm, I was nobody. I was a nobody. Nobody, you know, I was young. I was, I was a new Christian. I was all of those things. But God has, you know, he uses people that are nobodies to do these amazing things. And so that's, you know, that really influenced my life in a way that made me realize my worth, um, that maybe I wasn't getting in other areas. It made me realize um, how much he loved me. And it really made me feel powerful and loved, and, and it gave me a joy to know that God was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. um, even, so, you know, of course now you talked about your, your habit in the first question, um, but, but earlier in life you were a mom of two, a husband to a third big kid, um, my dad, who's a great guy. I love him to death, and, uh, and you also worked. So you, you had a lot on your plate. What did you do to make sure that that didn't take away from this thing that had become so important to you? Yeah, it was definitely, I couldn't, I gotta tell you, I couldn't have functioned without um, really being in the scripture. The Bible was really a footprint, a blueprint of what I needed to live my life. It gave me answers to questions um, I remember asking my mom, you know, in raising kids, what would you do? And she'd just be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I never, she would never give me the answer. I wanted the answer. How do I raise perfect kids? How do I be the perfect wife? You know, how do I, this and that and the other. And, and by getting into the scripture, um, I would, you guys would all go to bed and I'd get up at night and then I would pour over for, you know, I'd, sometimes I'd be in the word for two hours when you guys were asleep and I'd still be able to wake up in the morning. And anybody that knows me knows I love my sleep. Um, but, but it was actually getting into the Bible and, and really understanding who God was, what his nature was, what his plan was for me that I was able then to be able to, you know, I pulled out scripture and I prayed over you and your brother and your dad. And I had the privilege of leading Pastor Rick and his brother Chris to the Lord. And then probably about 12 years into our marriage, um, my husband went to a Promise Keepers event and I don't know if any of you guys remember those, but it was when he came home from that and he said, you know, it was your, um, your life and, and probably my prayers, obviously, that led him to have a faith of his own. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, I, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have lived my life. I still can't do it today without having, it is a lifeline. Mm -hmm. The Bible is my lifeline. I have to have it. I have to, I, I need it every day. I can't not have it. That's great. Uh, what's just to wrap up? What's what's one practical piece of advice you would give to um, anybody that um, is sort of having a hard time developing this rhythm or this habit? Well, um, the Bible tells us in John that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, if you, if I were you, I would I would go to the Word. I would pick it up. I'd get a journal. I, I just choose one scripture. It doesn't matter. Start with Psalm 139. It tells you how fearfully and wonderfully you were made and all of the plans that God has for you. Write it down. Um, read it every day. Chew on it. Pray it. 
Pick a scripture for your family. Start praying it. I'm telling you, you will see, dif- you'll see a difference. You'll see a change in yourself. Um, you know, God didn't change my husband or my kids to, to make my life better. What he did was he changed me. He changed me from inside to realize that, that if, I, if I believed who he was, if I read the word of God and put my faith in it, I would see amazing and great things happen. And that's exactly what has happened. And I really believe that anybody can do that. It's so simple. It takes 10 minutes. Hmm. 10 minutes. Take 10 minutes out of your day. Open up the word. Grab a scripture. Start reading it. It's filled with this. I mean, it's better than any novel. My goodness. When we went through the Bible, remember we went through the story and all those, even the story that you read last week that was actually from the scripture, but, but... Pastor Wayne had put like a spin on it. Yeah. It's really that way. There's there's so much, you know, intrigue and drama and murder and and you know, prostitution and and I mean there's just all, those all good this things. it is, it's true. And so there's bound to be something in there that would catch your um, catch your attention. But honestly, it just starts with a little tiny bite and don't think, oh, if I didn't I didn't read it today, so that means I can't. It's kinda like Weight Watchers. Every day is a new day. Wow. You just start with All a right. new day. If, if, if you've eaten, you know, too much or whatever, tomorrow's a fresh day with no mistakes. All right. Well, were thank you, you. Were you sorry you told no, me not no, to No, 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 no. Will you guys give her a hand as she returns to her seat? Thank you. You guys had no idea the Weight Watchers analogy was going to be a part of your day today at church, so... Kudos that. Thank you for sharing that. I thought that's just a voice that I can't speak to. You know, as a person who has lived this out in so many ways and modeled it in so many ways, I know there's more of them in here. And uh, Pastor Kelly and I know them and we access them. And I would encourage you to do the same as well. Find somebody who, who might be able to help encourage you, understand the importance of the habit. We're going we're gonna to wrap up here. And so I just, I want to briefly close with this. Um, I want you to consider a question um, this week. Uh, There's actually going to be a couple questions that I'm going to post to you, but I want you to consider this question. Um, What is your metric for deciding what is important in life? What is your metric? What do you use to decide this thing is important? Because we, we, we all have something that influences maybe a little bit more. Maybe it's money or power or beauty or family health or the success of your kids or what, whatever it might be. Consider what that is, and I want you to compare it to... Um, I want you to compare what God, to what God's saying in your life. I want you to compare it to what is going to give me what I'm actually looking for. Paul, who we talked about last week, he wrote letters of encouragement and instruction throughout the Bible. And uh, this particular book was to Timothy, who was a young church leader. And he wrote this to, to younger people who were sort of developing their, their spiritual feet, per se. And in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9, he says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. I'm guilty of those. Fantasy football, just a drain on my brain, right? (laughs) Instead, train yourself to be godly. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. And then he says, and this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. And the divine mentor, Pastor Wayne, says um, that, that Jesus says when we boil all of life down to the basics, when you think in, ter- in terms of time and eternity, not much is truly important. 
when you're thinking in, in, in terms of time and eternity, not much is truly important. What is going to be the thing at the end of your life that you were like, I'm so glad that I had that? That can start to shape the way that you think about life. Um, two things, and these are both in your notes. These are um, some benefits. In each chapter of the book, if you're following along, Pastor Wayne sort of gives us like, here's the reason why, right? And, and when we're talking about guarding our, our roots and creating these sacred enclosures and just in general, why we should engage scripture, why is it important for us? Um, he says this. The first one is, and it's in your notes, it is an all-access pass to an all-wise, all-powerful, and personal God who wants to walk with you daily through every situation. I read that, I was like, oh man, Pastor Wayne really is smart. It's an all-access pass to an all-wise, all-powerful, and personal God who wants to walk with you through every situation. And then the second thing is this. It's an adventure that will introduce you to lifelong mentors who will save your health, your marriage, and your future. It's an adventure. It's not boring. It's not, I promise. And it will introduce you to lifelong mentors, not just not just ones for today, but will carry you through your whole life and they will save your health, your marriage, and your future. Will you make the same choice Mary made? Will you make the same choice Mary made? Will you choose, even when there's tons to be done, to sit at the feet of Jesus? Now last week I wanna just leave you with this. Um, we asked you to consider two questions each and every day as you were in whatever capacity you're doing your habit, whether it's just praying as you're driving or singing or whatever it is, ask yourself these two questions and it will change the way you think about what God's doing in your life. Ask yourself, what is God saying to me and what am I gonna do about it? Ask yourself, what is God saying to me and what am I gonna do about it? And that will shape the way, that will shape the way that your life goes. All right, let's stand up. We're going to get out of here. Um, thanks for bearing with me in this uh, crackly voice here. Our hope, our prayer for this series is that, is that every person would, would feel the freedom that comes with knowing that when, it, when, it's, when you have a difficult situation in your life, when, when life is hard, you don't have to guess, right? We're not... We're not trying to get everybody to develop a one hour a day, two hours a day. I mean, spiritual titan stuff, right? That's not what we're after here. We just, we just want, to, uh, want each and every person to understand that your soul matters to us. And it matters to God. And he wants you to care for it. And he wants to give you the things you need so that you can indeed make it through this thing we call life. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. And thank you for the opportunity to just gather and, and sing and worship you and thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, we know that, that because of Jesus, you're going to do new and better things, both in our lives and through our lives to other people. And we just want to take full hold of that. 
So I pray that you would make that possible and that the state of our soul, God, all of us have foot traffic kind of beating around us all the time, that we would be encouraged by this, that we would find a way to let you speak into our lives and and create that sacred enclosure around us so that we can handle those situations with the same grace and love with which you've given us. God, help us to be more like you each and every day and help us not to be crazy when we don't get it right. Let us be encouraged that you're there for us regardless. We thank you for today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you guys next week.